first episode of the Advocado. Avocado. I don't know. It's Advocate and Avocado. Seemed like a fun combination for Advocate. Any take on it? We'll see. Anyways, so I guess this first episode will just be an introduction of the point of this, why I wanted to do this in the first place, and maybe a brief introduction. So our daughter, my wife and I, we gave birth to our first daughter back in 2012, and uh, everything was going fine, and turns out uh, she was born with Down syndrome, which we didn't actually find out until uh, about four months later through genetic testing. I remember sitting in the the room, there was a C-section. I remember sitting in the room with my wife during the procedure and they brought her out, our daughter, when she was born and they lifted her up and the doctors were kind of looking at each other and kind of whispering, you know, I don't see it. Oh, I see it for sure. And oh, I don't think so. And which it was our first daughter, <laughs> first time doing this myself. So I had no idea what, what was going on. And so I didn't think too much of it at the time. So it was typical firstborn, you know, general baby stuff. We're in the hospital. Family came to visit. Friends came to visit. And on the second day, the nurses came into the room, asked our visitors to step out because they wanted to talk to my wife and I. And again, this was all normal for us, never having done it before. And so they, they sit us down and they had a, a nurse, I believe, and like a, not a social worker, but like a specialist. And they said, we just wanted to, to talk to you privately and let you know that we think your daughter may have Down syndrome. <laughs> and again, we, we weren't totally sure what that meant. Um, the, the last two days, we were fawning over our, our beautiful new daughter and you know, talking about how beautiful she was and all our plans for her and, and how excited we were. And so for them to say this to us, we were, we were kind of shocked. And so they said, you know, we have resources. We don't know for sure if this is even the case. And if it is, maybe, the, maybe it's mosaic, which means it's a, a, a lesser degree of Down syndrome. And so we said, oh, okay. And they gave us some paperwork and, and said, uh, okay, enjoy your day and uh, left the room. And so, uh, we were kind of left to, to digest this. <laughs> so we didn't really know what that meant. Um, and I don't really remember much of that, the rest of that day, other than, um, I was sleeping there on the little, uh, fold out, um, <laughs> chair that kind of becomes a bed that night in the room with my wife and I think actually our daughter was being taken to the NICU because <laughs> there were other issues going on. I remember trying to go to sleep that night thinking like, oh man, like all my, my dreams and stuff were shot. Like this was all taken, taken away from, I mean, from her, our daughter, but you know, I guess in a selfish way from myself as, as well as kind of, you know, how I saw her life being was now changing. And, uh, so I remember also thinking, you know, what, what do we do so wrong? What, how do we mess up to be almost punished in this way? And, uh, I remember distinctly almost as soon as that thought kind of was set in my mind, 
it being replaced with what do we do so right to get to get uh, blessed essentially with this this daughter that was uh, given to us as our responsibility to to raise her, and uh, that kind of changed a lot of my perspective on on all of it, and uh, and so it kind of kind of brought me around to um, kind of being excited about it, I guess, <clears throat> in a strange way. So going back, man, I don't know, f- uh, four years, five years, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> Not that great with time. When uh, my wife and I were first dating, I remember we were sitting in a, a TGI Fridays, as they were called at the time, uh, just having uh, dinner. And a couple tables over was a, a table full of special needs adults. And and they were all just enjoying their, their time out, um, you know, the same way everybody else does when we, we go out to dinner. Uh, we try to have fun. I just remember seeing the their helper, the aide, with them as well. <laughs> just they were just all having such a great time, and uh, just the the sheer joy in their faces as, as all of them were enjoying the time out together and in uh, just their experiences. And I remember thinking to myself, and I, I even said out loud to to Rachel, I said I'm going to do that one day. So I'm going to I'm going to be. Uh, somebody that can help out these individuals, these, these beautiful people that just, I mean, just the joy that they have and, uh, and just the way that life affects them differently and, and the way they see life. And I just, I knew I, at that point that I wanted to be a part of it. So fast forward, you know, the few years as, uh, we're sitting in the hospital, just getting the news that our daughter might have down syndrome. You know, it, it all came rushing back, and it, oh man, this is my opportunity. Like I'm, I'm being given this chance to to do this work, to to be a part of it, to be able to help out these individuals, to be in that community. And all of a sudden, I got really excited. Like this, this is it. Like I don't, I wouldn't say this is my my life's purpose, but like this is a big deal. <laughs> and uh, over the next day or two, uh, talking with my wife about all this. I think we both share the sentiment that like, well, well, shoot, what if, what if she doesn't have down syndrome? Like, what if, like, what if she is typical now? It's like, we almost got ourselves so worked up the other way that we we're excited for it. It turns out, you know, we did get the genetic testing that came back that she does have down syndrome and they couldn't find out with the testing they did, whether it was a mosaic or not. And we said at that point, it doesn't make a difference. Either way, you know, it is what it is. And, and that would have been the case whether she had Down syndrome or not. But she was showing the, the uh, typical traits. She had the uh, sandal gap in her toe. And that was the first thing we noticed in the hospital, too, was we said, you know, look at her cute feet. Look at uh, her big toe. Kind of separates so far. That, that's so weird. Again, this being our first baby, not having been around newborns necessarily. You know, we've been around babies, but, you know, newborns, okay, maybe that's a newborn thing. I don't know. <laughs> so we didn't think too much of it, but there were a couple other things in the hospital that were kind of strange, but, uh, that might be another topic. So over the next, uh, little while, couple months or so, we were having a lot of appointments and stuff. And one of the appointments that we had to have was we were told that children born with Down syndrome have a 50% chance of having a heart defect. So they did, uh, 
a lot of tests in the, the hospital when she was born. And uh, they said, yeah, we don't see anything. Everything looks and sounds right. But uh, we're going to have you see a, a pediatric cardiologist just to be safe. You know, just a precaution. We know there's nothing wrong, but, uh, but just to be safe. And so we ended up going. Uh, I think my wife went because I had to work. And uh, I, think, I think she went to one appointment and everybody said, yeah, everything looks good, you know, everything looks great. And so we, we ended up, uh, you know, that's what we'd tell people when we, quote, broke the news that, you know, our daughter had Down syndrome. We'd say that, you know, yes, she has Down syndrome, but at least she doesn't have the heart defect. So nothing to worry about. So I think we ended up going to another pediatric cardiologist appointment and they did uh, an EKG. And so I guess the tech did it. And again, this is my wife when I, I still ended up going to work. I said, you know, there's nothing to worry about. You go ahead and, and take care of it. She said they did the EKG and the tech said, yeah, everything was good. Then the, the, the doctor came in, the specialist, and he checked. He said, no, look right here. And I guess he saw something nobody else did. And he said, no, there's a, there's definitely a leak. And I uh, wasn't sure what that meant. So I didn't know about this until I get a call at work. And my wife says, hey, I've got you on speakerphone with the doctor, the, the heart doctor. He's, he's got something he wants to tell us. And so that's when he explained to us that she had a, a ASD and VSD. Oh, man, I can't. <laughs> arterial defect and benches, something rather. Essentially, it's a hole between the top two chambers and the lower two chambers of the heart. And he said, those are, uh, those are going to need to be patched at some point. Maybe not right away, but, you know, probably within the first year or so. So, yeah, she's going to need open heart surgery. And so we, uh, we talked about it and stuff and what this all meant. And we were kind of a little shocked because, you know, we, we were told, you know, well, at least her heart's fine, which is, you know, kind of funny because the whole pregnancy, we were told, yeah, you know, your daughter's fine. Everything's fine. My wife was 20, she didn't kill me, 28 at, the time, <laughs> 28 at the time. And so she wasn't at risk or anything. And uh, I think we even had the prenatal screening for Down syndrome. And they said, nope, everything looks good. <laughs> so the whole pregnancy, we were told everything's great. Everything's fine. Come to find out, you know, your daughter is born with Down syndrome. You know, now we're told, you know, at least the heart's fine. Everything's fine with the heart. Now we're told, nope, there's a leak in the heart. And that's going to have to be repaired. And so we get a call from the doctor, the heart doctor, probably, uh, I don't know, a few weeks later saying, uh, you know, I'd actually, I'm looking at the stuff and I think we need to do it sooner. And so we ended up uh, uh, scheduling an appointment to get her in at, uh, at six months old. So we had to take our, our six-month-old baby girl our first child in for heart surgery at, at six months old uh open heart surgery and uh and that was tough that was really hard that that'll <laughs> that could be a whole separate uh episode itself as well um but so we ended up doing the heart surgery and uh i think i developed separation anxiety because of that only one parent was allowed to stay overnight with her and so i let my wife do that well, I went home and took care of the dogs and in the house and everything else. So every night I had to leave my six month old, our first child with, uh, at the hospital. And, uh, and that was, <laughs> that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And so I think because of that, 
I developed this, uh, I don't know, perhaps unhealthy um, attachment where I have a hard time even uh, getting babysitters just because uh, I was forced to leave her at, at her most vulnerable time. You know, apparently it also became mine. And so um, that was really tough. So the heart surgery went well. We ended up, <laughs> we ended up being there for actually uh, three weeks or so, four weeks, um, because stuff wasn't healing right. Um, things weren't going quite the way they wanted to, or that the, the doctors were hoping to see it. But uh, we ended up getting out the day before Thanksgiving. We went, in, we went in at the beginning of November and got out the day before Thanksgiving. So around that time, you know, we celebrate Eva's heart anniversary. And uh, yeah, we came home, everything did great. Therapies, <laughs> three, four times a week. Physical therapies, occupational therapies. I don't think we were doing speech therapy at that point. She was six months old. But uh, yeah, I mean, our time from then on was spent with therapies and doing all sorts of, all sorts of stuff with our daughter. And uh, and so she's uh, she's eight years old now. Um, heart's been doing really well. I know it's not always the case for these, these sort of situations, but... Uh, her heart's doing really well. They're not seeing any issues. She gets checked. At first, she was checked. Uh, I think every six months, then once a year, and now she's at the, now she's at the point where she, uh, I think, every two years or so. So we're due again soon. So we, uh, yeah, we've been we really great, uh, you know, medically and everything's going going well. But uh, so Eva, our eight year old daughter with Down syndrome, she's she's become the reason that that I've become the advocate that I have uh, become, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, we've had to deal with all sorts of things, medical stuff, um, school stuff. We actually had to take a school to uh, mediation because we had issues with them wanting to put her, basically hold her back. She had to take basically kindergarten twice and, uh, there's just been a lot of things that, you know, we weren't even expecting to have to advocate for and fight for that ended up becoming these, these big deals that took a lot of our energy. Uh, we had to learn a lot. We had to talk to a lot of people who've been through it. Uh, a lot of it, we were the first time through and, uh, it's just, it's just wild trying to bring a child up in, uh, well, period. I mean, I, I assume it's just the same, you know, the 50, hundred thousand years ago. You know, you, you had to raise this little human being in, uh, in this world. And I mean, I can't, I, obviously, you know, I can say, oh, it's really hard today. Um, I imagine it was very hard for my parents and, and their parents. But uh, I think it's, it might be especially hard for those of us in situations with children with special needs. And with her being our first, it's, it's made a lot of weird <laughs> situations, I guess, where to us, everything was normal. Like we'd have friends who have children say like, you know, how do you do it? You know, what was it like? You know, I, I, I can't imagine doing it that way. And for us, it was just like, well, I mean, we didn't know any other way to us. That was parenting. What do you mean? It's not normal for your, your child to still be crawling at two or three years old, you know, to not be able to communicate properly. Um, you know, we knew about milestones and where a child of that age should be. And we quickly threw out all those books because none of that seemed to apply uh, to our child. We ended up having two more children after two years apart each. 
So we've got a, um, a six-year-old and a four-year-old as well. And it's, it's amazing to see them growing up together and kind of hitting milestones at the same time. And uh, it's just kind of seeing those comparisons to a typical child versus a, a special needs child. And again, I mean, it, to us, this was our family. This was our first time doing it. I hadn't been a dad before. Um, Rachel hadn't been a wife or, uh, well, she hadn't been a wife. She hadn't been a mother. And this being our first child, you know, everything was a first. And so we were learning along with all of it. And obviously we're still learning. We always do. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I think we just kind of took it because she was our first as, you know, <laughs> we have nothing to compare it to. This isn't hard or easy to us. It's just, it is what it is. And so, I mean, I could imagine having a special needs child as a, a second, third, you know, whatever down the line, it could be more difficult. Um, you know, our first child reached these milestones at, you know, age, whatever, but our second child, third child, our child with special needs isn't. And, uh, I could see that being, um, discouraging and upsetting perhaps, um, but I think that's the same with any children. And so it's, it's kind of neat and kind of comparing. <laughs> you shouldn't compare children, but I mean, we do it. We're parents. I mean, even non-parents compare children. Well, why isn't your child like that one? So it, in seeing Eva go through these stages, um, seeing her interact with her peers through school, and, uh, and friends from church and just the groups she plays in. It's just, it's neat seeing her develop and comparing it to the other children her age. And it's both exciting as a parent to see your child being accepted, but it's also discouraging to see your child not accepted, to see, I wouldn't even say necessarily rejected, but I mean, I've seen kids in playgroups not want to play with her. Um, other kids have asked, why is she different? Why does she look different? You know, and that can be heartbreaking, but at the same time, you know, I mean, there's other things that happen too, where, you know, she can't be a part of this cheer group or she can't, uh, do gymnastics because her muscle tone's not good enough or whatever reason, even there was a stint with sort of modeling and, uh, she was told, you know, your child's beautiful. And, and, you know, all that, that, you know, people kind of say, but, you know, unfortunately we're not looking for that look. I don't know if that necessarily meant, you know, a child with Down syndrome or just, you know, our child in general, it's weird to, you know, as you're, you're growing, you know, people start outside sources, start telling you something different than what you're expecting. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to, to make those comparisons and it's easy to, you know, internally process all that stuff and, and make it worse than it really is. But, you know, there, there's a lot of times where we do compare our children and, you know, it breaks our heart when, you know, we see other children playing groups together or, I mean, Eva's eight now. She should be riding her bike with the other kids down the street and playing with them. And she just, she can't keep up with them. She doesn't, she can't run as well as them. She can't ride a, a normal bike with them. We, my wife and I just got excited the other day because she was jumping and her feet were leaving the ground a little. 
And so for us, that was a big deal. And so, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of see these things and, you know, it kind of breaks your heart and you kind of, you want more for your child. You always want more for your child. You want better, more, you know, a better life than you had, a better life than, than really you can give them. (laughs) I, I think our expectations are often higher than what's realistic, which is a good thing. You know, it's something to aim for. But, uh, you know, something I've realized a lot, too, is that a lot of the same fears of, you know, rejection or fears of not belonging to your peer group or being, you know, accepted into other groups, that same fear that I have for Eva, I I mean, I have that for my other daughter and son as well. When my my six-year-old comes home from school, and says, you know, the kids were playing on the playground. They wouldn't let me play with them. You know, that breaks my heart just as much. Or, you know, so-and-so picked on me. You know, it was devastating when I saw that happening with Eva, where groups wouldn't, you know, include her. And uh, I don't know, it, it it's probably not fair to say, but it probably broke my heart a little more so because, you know, I think I was internalizing it, you know, it's because she has special needs that they're not including her and that's what her life's going to be. And this is the rest of her life and what I'm going to do, her life's ruined. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, looking back, I don't, I don't think that's really the case. In fact, I mean, most kids, I don't even think they know necessarily why they wouldn't include her or whatever, why she's different. It's just kids being kids. But, you know, we have those same fears for all our children and I think we need to advocate for, for all of our children. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're young children that can't advocate for themselves. And so whether it's at school or the group of friends or maybe the grocery store when another parent whispers something about your child. Oh, I'm sorry, did you have a question? You know, can I explain to you what this means or what this is or why she can't or whatever it may be? I think we as parents are always advocating for our children, for ourselves. And I I think, so that's, that's what I want to kind of focus on with this whole podcast thing is what we advocate for, why we advocate, who we advocate for, and just to kind of be a, a, a resource perhaps for support, for where to look for help, maybe, you know, a shoulder for situations that we're not familiar with. I know there are a lot of times where, you know, in the short eight years so far that I couldn't relate to any of my friends. My friends couldn't relate to me, my situation. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, you guys don't get it. I mean, yes, you've got kids and you, you have a basic understanding, but what it means to have to fight a school system because they're saying your child's not smart enough or, you know, having to deal with four therapies a week because your daughter can't crawl. And so that, that's what I want this to be. And I plan to have, you know, lots of people on, specialists, uh, other people with similar situations and how they got through them. And just to, to be a resource for other advocados. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to stick. But other advocates who've been in similar situations and, uh, and just to, to kind of to be a support and resource for one another because that's what we need to be. So... Stay tuned for more episodes. Got a lot of really cool things planned. And uh, and yeah, we'll see where it goes. Till next time.